Hey there, thanks for joining us. This podcast is put out into the world by Living Water Community Church, located in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I'm Pastor Clark Cothern. If you'd like to know more about Living Water, or if you'd like to drop us a note, or if you've got a question, or if you'd like to have us pray for you, head on over to lw-cc.org. Now, let's join today's podcast in progress. Um, We are going to continue, no big surprise, I guess, uh, uh, with um, God's people Israel in in Exodus. And uh, they're in Egypt, of course, and they have been for the last three weeks. Uh, We're actually going to get them out of Egypt today. Is that that good? All right. Uh, Because we couldn't leave them there, could we? That's right. So uh, would you turn with me then, please, if you've got a Bible, to to God's Word and... uh, to, we're going to read two portions of Scripture this morning. Um, some verses from Exodus, uh, Exodus 12, and then from 15. Um, from verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth. Uh, There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough they had Brought from Egypt, they baked cakes of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now, the length of time the Israelites' people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Then over in to Exodus chapter 14 from verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they 
camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Who among the gods, this is verse 11 of chapter 15, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, 
awesome in glory, working wonders. The victory belongs to God. I suppose I could just end there, really, couldn't I? The victory belongs to God. Yet sometimes as Christians we doubt that, don't we, in our own lives, in our own experience. We kind of get all anxious and concerned and, and that can lead to health issues, can't it? To migraines and all the rest of that. And, you know, life is hard, right? And it's easy to think that we're on our own sometimes, isn't it? But God is always with us. He's always into bat for us, right? You know what cricket is? You have baseball here, right? <laughs> God is always into bat for us. And we are on his team. He's the captain, right? With everything that we've spoken about over the last few weeks, with everything we've read, I mean, there's so much going on here uh, in this time in Egypt, uh, in Israel's experience. And it's really difficult to try and pick out one or just a few different kind of themes because there's so much going on. And the one thing I really want to concentrate on this morning is faith. No big surprise, right? We are no different from the Israelites, are we? You know, we are, we're kind of the same. We're made of the same kind of stuff. Our experiences may be a little bit different, but sometimes you and I know what it's like to have to make bricks without straw, right? There's some challenging times in our experience along the way, isn't there? But I think every day we are called by God to trust him, to make a decision to trust him every day. And some days it's harder to trust God than other days, right? You know, when the sun's shining, it's, it's all good, and we find it easy then to trust God. But when the storms come into our experience, then... It's not so easy to trust God, is it? Or rather, we, we might not like to confess that to ourselves, but it's kind of easier to focus on the problem, isn't it, than to focus upon, upon God in such times as that. What well, God here has, through many plagues and, and judgments upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians, led his people out from bondage to slavery in Egypt. And he's led them to a barrier. He's led them down a cul-de-sac, if you will. You have cul-de-sacs in America? Yeah? Well, that's good. He's led them down a cul-de-sac. He's led them out of Egypt, but their backs are against the sea. From one challenging, difficult, stormy experience and straight into another. Can you identify? It's kind of like we say in England, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Do you have that same kind of expression here? You know, it's kind of like, you know, out of Egypt, everything was great and there were celebrations and, you know, everyone was joyful. You know, the liberation is, is kind of happening right there in the moment. And then the next thing they know, they're at the Red Sea. Their backs are against the water and, and lo and behold, they can hear something in the distance, but they can't quite make out what, what it is. It's kind of a thunderous kind of sound. And, and the next thing they see is, is the dust kind of rising up and... And then they catch sight of, of the Egyptian chariots and, and the army and, and they, then they look for someone to blame, right? Don't we do that? God led them out, you know, everything's great. 
But then there's another big problem, and it's kind of called the Red Sea in their experience. I don't know what it might be in yours today or mine, but, but we all have our own Red Sea kind of experiences, don't we? Let me tell you that God led Israel out, and he will lead them through. And if God's led you out, he'll also lead you through. It was God that not only led you out, but brought you to the Red Sea, and whatever that is in your experience today. And we panic, don't we? We look for someone to blame, and the Israelites did. You know, they turned to Moses in that moment and said, were there not enough graves in, in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die? Because we like to point a finger and blame somebody else, don't we? Not just me that does that, is it? You're not hanging me out to dry again, are you? You know, something goes wrong, we want someone to blame, don't we? You know, well, these guys knew exactly that deal. God leads his people. And we seem to bounce from one kind of tragedy in life to the next, don't we? And we think that God isn't in it with us, but he is. And if God has led you out of your Egypt and you're today facing a Red Sea kind of deal, then trust that God who led you out of Egypt will also make a way through the Red Sea that's at your back. In such times of uh, trial and anxiety, we want to do everything we possibly can, don't we, to kind of manipulate things and, and kind of change things around in order to, to make a way for ourselves through the problem that is, is right there before us. Maybe these words are just for you this morning. Uh, because your back is against your Red Sea uh, kind of deal today. Maybe you're facing something in these coming weeks that you just can't see your way through. Your Red Sea. So what was the Lord's word? And, and I kind of love the kind of exchange uh, from, from verse, uh, verse 13 through to, uh, to 18. It, it's kind of as if as if God is, is kind of in partnership with Moses and, and there's an exchange of kind of, I'm going to do this, you do that kind of, kind of thing unfolding. It's, it's almost as if they're on the same team. There's an exchange of views. You know, I'm going to do this, you make sure you do that. All right? So your back's up against the Red Sea today and, and Pharaoh and his chariots are kind of coming for you. You know what that means in your experience today. And this is the word of the Lord for you and for me today. Verse 13, chapter 14. First of all, do not be afraid. Do you need to hear that today? Don't be afraid. Uh, I haven't checked this out for myself because my counting, I'm not, not too good with maths, you know, I don't count too good, but apparently uh, I've been told, or I've read somewhere in the past, that there are 365 times in the Bible uh, the words, do not be afraid or do not fear. That's kind of one for every day, isn't it? That's all right, that. I like that. Can you kind of take that with you today? So God's word to you and me today, first of all, is quite simply, do not fear. Don't be afraid. No need to be anxious anymore. Kind of, don't be afraid. Yeah, Pharaoh and his armies are coming. And the Red Sea's at your back, whatever that might mean for you. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Maybe that's all you need to hear this morning, just, just those words. Don't be afraid. 
Secondly, stand firm. We can do that, can't we? It's trust. No? Don't be afraid. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. That sounds like a promise to me. You will see. That means that not only is there going to be deliverance and the Lord is going to provide that deliverance, but you will, you will outlast the trial. You will kind of come through the storm. And you'll be able to look back on it and you'll be able to see the fingerprints of God all over it. Because God is almighty. Sovereign. He is the Lord of glory. And he is into bat for you. Still. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. For the Israelites here, the problem was the Egyptians, right? Their chariots, their horses. I mean, I mean, what a fearful thing to have kind of rushing towards you. You know, the army of, of Pharaoh, swords drawn, and mighty warriors. But the Lord will fight for you. Ponder that for a moment. In your crisis, in your crisis of faith, maybe, the Lord will fight for you. That's at least two promises in two verses. The Lord will deliver you how the Lord will fight for you. The Lord is into battle for you. His glory, his reputation, they're at stake. You're his child, loves you. The apple of his eye. You're precious, so precious to him. The Lord will fight for you. And what do you need to do then, Israel? What do you need to do, child of God? What do you need to do when your back is against the Red Sea? And God is concerned for you, right? And remember, he's the covenant-keeping God. He loves you. To the moon and back, he loves you. The Lord's going to fight for you. What do you need to do? You need only to be still. Hey, I can do that. I can do that. You know, if, if I try and fight the Egyptian army, <laughs> try and make my way through the Red Sea in front of me, well, I'm going to get slaughtered on the one hand, I'm going to drown on the other, right? So I better just do as I'm told here, right? I better just be still. What does Psalm 4610 say? Be still and know that I am God. God's glory is at stake here. God's glory, his reputation, well, that's under the microscope in your experience and mine. Other people are watching on. God keeps his promises. He's true to his word. And you are his concern. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And the Egyptians you, to, you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What's required here? Trust, isn't it? Obedience. I can remember growing up uh, in, uh, in a, a town called Romford, kind of near London. I don't know how your geography is. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's on the map somewhere near London. 
where I grew up and uh, I was dragged along there as a little boy. I hate the services because they were boring and, you know, I used to count bricks in the wall and all that kind of stuff. You, you, some of you are probably doing that right now, you know, the, <laughs> counting the tiles on the, on the wall, you know. Well, that was me as a, as a young boy and I can remember standing up because I had to didn't have a choice, you know, stick, to sing the words of a song. I don't know whether, you, whether you've ever sung it, whether you sing it here. Trust and obey. Well, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you, do you sing that song? I kind of get the song a little bit more now than I did when I was about 12 or 13, but that's what God requires. Just trust and obedience. It's pretty simple, really. You know, just you're in trouble, God's in trouble, right? So just kind of wait on God. Maybe you just need to hear that today. Because Red Seas and Egyptians come in all different kind of shapes and sizes, right? We will have trials and tribulations in our lives. But the God of the Israelites here is the God of the church today, right? And he doesn't change, not one bit. He's the same yesterday, today, you finish it forever. So his, his word then is, is true today. Just stand firm. Don't be afraid. God will bring you through. And the problems that you face today, they're going to be history tomorrow. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Every day that God gives to you and me, he calls us to make a choice. Do you trust me? Will you trust me today? And then tomorrow comes and it's, will you trust me today? So the Lord says to Moses, you know, stop, stop crying out to me. Just tell the Israelites to, to move on. And, and that, that's an act of faith, isn't it? To actually obey. That's faith. So they move on. Raise your staff, God says. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry, on dry ground. I read that again a few times this week, and I, I just, just kind of imagine if you're Moses, stand for a moment in his sandals. You know, you're Moses. You've got all the Egyptians. Oh, sorry, the Egyptians coming towards you, and the Israelites around you, kind of giving you a hard time. They're blaming you for everything. And uh, and the word of the Lord to you in that moment is, raise your staff. Well, yeah, I can do that. Stretch out your hand. Can do that over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. No problem. It's like, it's like, you know, has, has God ever given you a task to do that you think he's just like, well, come on. Well, here is one of those kind of come on kind of moments, isn't it? You know, yeah, I can raise my staff and kind of stick it out over the sea, but so, you know, just, just it's kind of nonchalant, isn't it? It's kind of like, no big deal, just kind of, just do it and you know, divide the waters. I've been amazed in looking at Moses, actually, these past uh, uh, couple of months. In preparation for my time here with you guys. Uh, one thing that I've learned is that the word bridge is never found in Scripture. You know, we, we Christians like to talk about building bridges, don't we? You know? But the word bridge isn't to be found in God's holy word. It's not there. And what God does for his people as Pharaoh and his chariots and horsemen are rushing towards them with their swords drawn is exactly what he did on, on, in Genesis chapter 1 on the third day of creation. 
The waters are divided. Separated from, the waters are separated from the dry land. Only God can do that. God doesn't know bridges. He seems to just divide the waters and makes a way. And, and, it, and it's kind of just not here in, in, in Exodus, but it's kind of all over the Bible if you look hard enough. You know, don't think that, God, that, that your problems are bigger than God. Because if you do that, and I, if I do that, then I, I make an idol out of my problem. You know, there's no problem that is too big for God to handle with you. And sometimes we can get to thinking that we're unique and that, you know, oh, there's nobody like me and my problems are so huge and nobody in all the world has ever had a problem like I've got. You get to thinking like that sometimes? I think they call that the Elijah complex, don't they? You know, Mount Carmel, you know, there's no, you know, woe is me, you know, I'm the only one left and all this kind of thing. But not so. So God brings his people through the sea. Sea in scripture is very often used as a metaphor for chaos, turbulence. And the, t- the chaos is either side of God's people as they, as they walk through uh, from out of Egypt to the prom- towards the promised land with water on their left and water on their right. There's just chaos and turbulence, trouble all around them and God leads them through. When I think of God leading his people, I think of uh, very often, I, th- I think of Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me through. Today then, uh, you know, if, if you don't remember anything about you know, what I say today, do you remember this, that God is for you, he loves you, and you may be in trouble today, but he will fight for you. He's for you, he's not against you, he loves you, you're his child, you're precious to him. Eternally loved, eternally secure. He'll lead you through. If God led you to a problem or a set of circumstances you don't understand, trust him to lead you out from that, through it. And how wonderful the celebration. You know, the celebration, Miriam's song, the song of Moses and Miriam, then uh, beginning of chapter 15, then Moses and, and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. But that their focus in the song is not upon their redemption from Egypt, not upon their liberation, not upon the hope of a glorious future in the promised land. What is their song all about? Their song is all about the victory of Yahweh, the victory of God. Egypt's gods are fallen, decimated, history. God has proven himself to be the almighty that he claimed to be. He said to Abraham, he said, I am. I will be whatever, whoever I want to be. You can't put me in a box. You can't contain me. He's saying, I am God. He's saying, the covenant God I am, trust me. The victory that Moses and Miriam are singing about and the Israelites together with them is is concerning God's victory, God's glory. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? I could stop there, but I want to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Just a couple of minutes. I guess the parting of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Red Sea by by God's people, taking them out of Egypt into the Promised Land, is, is very kind of, 
kind of parallels, doesn't it, our experience as Christians. You know, before we, we kind of, before we knew Jesus as, as Master and Forgiver, Lord and Saviour, you know, we were in Egypt, weren't we? You know, we, we, were, we were just downtrodden by, by the devil and, and all of these demons, and, you know, we were living to please ourselves and far away from God. That's Egypt. You don't want to go back to Egypt, do you? You don't want to go back there. God leads us out into the land of his promise. You know, that's the gift of God's faith to us, in trusting him for every day. But we find our salvation, our forgiveness at the cross, don't we? And, and, and subsequent to the cross, there is the resurrection of Christ. Beautiful resurrection of Christ. Long anticipated resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. From death to life. Isn't that the journey that, that the Israelites made from Egypt? They were dead spiritually. They were dead, enslaved in their bondage under Pharaoh's foot. God has brought them out into new life. This land of, of promise and hope and salvation and glory unto the Lord. I guess the parting of the Red Sea is kind of the Old Testament parallel to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the New Testament from the dead, don't you think? They're kind of like a high point, isn't it? I kind of finish where I began. Do you trust the Lord? Do you trust Him? Not just in difficult times when you kind of break that, that panic glass button. You know, we've got one over there, haven't we? You know, in case of fire, break the glass. You know, they're... You know, it's easy to kind of call on God in those moments, you know, when the flames are burning around us. But in the good times, do we trust him? Do we trust God for every day? Are we prepared to be still when necessary? And to wait upon the Lord to deliver us, to fight for us? Because he promises that he will. He's faithful to all of his promises. And there's, there's a number of things that God can't do. But I'm always very much mindful of one thing, and that's the fact that God cannot lie. Because he's God. He cannot deny himself. And he said, I will fight for you, and he will continue to do that for you. So all we have to do is just be still. And just trust him. And he will part the waters wherever necessary in our experience and lead us on into a bright future. That's all for his glory and eternal praise. I've really enjoyed being with you guys uh, these past few weeks. Um, it's been really interesting for me on a, lots of different levels. Uh, but I give thanks to God for the opportunity. And uh, I just pray that God's Spirit will continue to lead you and guide you and uh, enrich your experience for his glory in this place and in the wider community. God bless you, guard you, keep you.